0: Hi, friends, Logan Clements here, one of your co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we are diving into a case study on a recent event that Mary and I did this fall on the Zoom Events platform. Now, this episode is going to be filled with kind of just talking about what Zoom Events even is, some of the pros, some of the cons, and then how we actually set up this virtual conference on the platform This is for you if you are someone who loves Zoom but has never even heard of Zoom events or maybe you've been exploring it as a potential platform for your next virtual or hybrid event. It is something that Mary and I had a lot of fun learning about and I think really falls in line with the values of this podcast where we like to share our experiences and help inform your future event decisions as an event host or an event planner so we can all create and host a better events. But before we jump into it, I do want to remind you, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening right on Spotify right now, you can just click, give us that five star rating, but let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. We are so happy to be with you today and for our conversation. We are doing a case study today, so we're going to dive into that. Um, But first, we'll just say hi. So hi, this is Mary. Logan, how's it going?
0: (laughs) It's going well. How are you doing, Mary?
1: (laughs) Good. This is our – Logan and I are just coming together to podcast for the day, and so we're excited um, to dive into this episode. We have to warm ourselves up always, though, with a conversation starter. So we're going to dive into that. Um, Today's question is, Logan, what is your favorite Christmas activity that you go out and do um, each year? And it's something that you're looking forward to. So maybe it's just something you're going to do this year or something you do each year. But you're like, yes, that's happening this year. And I'm excited about it.
0: My holiday plans look a little different this year because I'm actually staying in Seattle and I often travel home and I'm with my uh, side of the family. But this year we're going to be here in Seattle. Um, So I'm actually looking forward to like new traditions Um, and something I did pre COVID was that the, um, Argosy cruises in Seattle. It's a lovely little like tour boat around the lake does a Christmas carol boat. And then they perform the carolers are on the boat and then they perform to people on the shore at set, set, set places, beaches, and things like that. And it happens for like the whole month of December. And I did this, uh, 2019 and loved it. It was just like a really fun festive. You can like ride on the boats. So you can hear the carolers live. And then you get to see people who like bring their boats out and decorate them with lights so I'm going to try to sneak that in this year.
1: That's awesome. I've I've heard about the Carolers cruise and I've wanted to check it out. So maybe you'll we'll have to do that. <laughs> it's know. so maybe. festive, Mary. You would have a yeah. lot of
0: fun. It's, it's very enjoyable and you can dress up in themed outfits. So um, well, how about you, Mary? What's like a Christmas holiday activity that you are looking forward to doing this year?
1: You just said themed outfits. And so what I look forward to every year is I have a collection of ugly sweaters and i love breaking them out to not my husband's enjoyment he <laughs> they're ugly for a reason but i love it and i've had them for years and so it's my personal tradition so i'm excited to to wear them <laughs> there you go i look forward to it every Never, year yeah we love a good uh, festive outfit both mary and i love uh
0: anything that has to do with i feel like themes so um, can't wait to see, Mary, you'll have to post some of these. So our listeners, and if you oh, for sure. listeners have a favorite ugly sweater, please post it. Um, but back to kind of talking about why we're going to dive into this case study on Zoom events. Um, it is a newer platform. If you guys haven't heard of it before, it is a an event platform that Zoom has created. So it actually acts as like a frame, um, for the Zoom meetings and Zoom webinars. So it is a great next level up if you're into Zoom. Um, But we recently tag teamed an event a couple months ago for a client uh, using Zoom events. And we had been very open with them and transparent that we had not used Zoom events yet for an official event. Um, We tested a little bit, but we were excited to finally dive in. And so we thought it'd be really helpful to kind of share that debrief and some of our key takeaways with you listeners, because I know we've talked about Zoom. We talk about virtual events, how they're not going away. And so I think this is just another great tool to put in your event planner, event producer toolkit um, when folks are asking you about the latest and greatest platforms. But Mary, I kind of teased it a little bit, but how how would you define what is Zoom Events?
1: Yeah, Zoom Events. It's, it's so interesting that a lot of folks have not heard about Zoom Events. And so it's like Zoom is obviously like everybody knows what that is. It's so familiar. But Zoom Events is an additional offering that Zoom has. And so I looked up what Zoom Events describes itself to be And they say that Zoom Events is an all-in-one solution for virtual events built on Zoom's reliable video technology that allows you to seamlessly create and manage virtual events. Um, And then other places say um, it basically helps sum that up by it's a conference platform that supports 500 to 10,000 plus attendees. So that's how I would define it. I think we could talk more about that. But Logan, what would you add?
0: Yeah, I think just expanding what I mentioned earlier that it, it really... The, the the nuts and bolts of it is it is really just a fancy platform that then hosts Zoom meetings and Zoom webinars inside of it. So if you were ever wishing you had a landing page for your Zoom meeting that on that landing page folks could see speaker bios and look at sponsor logos and click on to their booths, this is what it provides. But at the end of the day, you're still utilizing the functionality of Zoom meeting or Zoom webinar, but it just now adds a little bit more robustness to it. And um, I feel like I did a number of events where we were on a platform, a different platform, but then the actual session was in Zoom meeting. And so this just avoids that where instead of having people register and chat and do all these things on platform A, and then all of a sudden they click the link to join their session and it rips them into Zoom, this would keep you all in Zoom. And that was, again, the the draw, I feel like, for this very specific case. And as I move forward, it's it's to me, I always think about if I have any very Zoom passionate clients, this is like a great level up from just doing very, you know, just a meeting or just a webinar.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we had someone who was working with us, our friend of the pod as well was telling us that it reminded her of, is it Hoover? Is that how you say it? I, that's how I've always said it for Hoover. Yeah, yeah. It's a
0: very similar functionality. It reminds me of hop into
1: with yeah. certain
0: things about it. Not everything's the same, but they all, I, again, we've talked about this before, I feel like, but a lot of things overlap.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a really good solution for those folks that are afraid to do anything outside of zoom and for other reasons but it's really great for some in- instances like that but um logan kind of hinted to this but we wanted to talk through like why the organization wanted to to do this event and what their goals were and then why we thought zoom events was a good solution for this and as we're talking through this listeners just think of your events that you're involved in and see if this might be a good fit for you as well but when we met with the client at the beginning they weren't sure what platform to use and so that was part of what we we're helping them decide. And Zoom events was one of the options. Um, Logan and I, this was our first time doing this event, doing an event in Zoom events. So it was a really awesome experience, but uh, we had to do a lot of research to <laughs> figure out exactly what its offerings were. And so basically the um, the client, they were looking for, like Logan mentioned before, um, like a, basically a conference type space where they could have these sessions and these tracks happening simultaneously. Um, and right when you hear that it's automatically like okay how are we going to do this simultaneously like that's just kind of the first question that pops in my mind um and then then the number of attendees actually didn't really impact the fact that we use zoom events but they wanted around 250 attendees um and then some other specifics they had is they really wanted metrics and analytics from the event, which they didn't get previously. And so they wanted to know who attended what and for how long because they needed to track attendance for continuing education credits. So continuing education is like a really huge pull for this event and its attendees. And so they needed to know how we could incorporate that in the event. Um, And then also lastly, just session engagement as always, right? But the capability of having Q&A or pre-recorded session, just like that variety there. Anything else I missed Logan about their goals for the event? No, but I think just to take note listeners, this is a great framework to
0: use um, in terms of having your client or the, if you're hosting the event as the event host, defining those event goals, because as Mary said, these, these bullets helped lead us to zoom events. Um, And so making sure that you have a handle on like what your event goals are is what really helped steer us. Um and make that decision in terms of all the
1: platforms that are out there. And then we we obviously felt like Zoom events would accomplish this. But um, Logan, I'm gonna actually pass it over to you because you really dive deep into, into this.
0: Yeah, this was one for why Zoom Events. And again, Mary and I both love to have like tested a platform a lot. And it's again, if you watch any of my like YouTube videos about Zoom, why I say Zoom's gonna stick around is because we're so comfortable with it. We've all used it a lot. It really has been stress tested. And so um, why we thought then Zoom events would accomplish this is because the the actual like meet the sessions, the meetings and the webinar um, functionality, that wasn't new. That's the existing you know, Zoom meeting Zoom webinar. And it really was more just that user experience getting into the registration, getting into the session. Um, and so I feel like when we were doing our research, it really ticked all of those goals. And um, one of the big ones, Mary, it was also because it was very cost effective, I felt like for, wanting only 250 people, but wanting the functionality of having, like you mentioned concurrent sessions and having like an expo hall sponsor area that people could control their own destiny to go and click into booths. Um, A lot of other platforms that we looked at were at a much higher price point. Like their minimums just made it not really make sense. Um, And I can't remember if we mentioned already, but this was a nonprofit client. So this is just one where budget really matters in ways that I know some of our for-profit clients um, don't care as much. And so that really helped that it was such a low investment. um, And then it was able, accessibility was also a big, um, not necessarily a goal of this event, but a a value of our client and making sure that all the sessions were very accessible and easy to access for their attendees. Um, And that was another one that by keeping it familiar, they did Zoom meetings and Zoom webinars throughout the year for other sessions. They used it the year prior, but on like a custom built website that embedded the links. So we kind of felt like Zoom events was the next evolution to keep a lot of things similar while also doing it a little bit different by using this new platform. Um, but we also did go into it eyes wide open because Mary and I have learned a lot through Zoom because of uh, having to just do it and learn what it can and cannot do. And that was something that I know made me nervous with Zoom events um, was that we had not done a, you know an event of this size on the platform and it was so new. Um, but more just, again, based on the fact that it was based on Zoom meeting and Zoom webinar that we felt like, again, the, the content would still be there and still be fine. It might just be some of that other functionality that we had to really learn about.
1: Yeah. And to learn, I wanted to call out just one amazing resource for anybody who's listening. And we'll link this in the show notes. But we there's an amazing Facebook group that we joined And I can't even remember how we ended up, how we heard about it in the first place, but it's called Zoom Event Pros and it's hosted by an event professional named Denise. Denise, you're amazing. Um, I was able to meet with Denise and we had just some questions about Zoom events because there is some, it's, it's, you know, as Logan was kind of mentioning, it's continually progressing. And so there were just some questions and some functionality things that we were struggling with. She was so helpful and the group is so helpful. So we will put that in the show notes if you want to, excuse me, join in on that Facebook group it is a fabulous resource honestly and so that really helped us as well as picking other people's brains
0: yeah the crowdsourcing of we you know we talked had a past episode talking about um how it's how important it is to continue to learn you know episode 81 as event pros and that facebook group is a great example not only of a place where we can continue to learn but also where folks like denise get to teach and share that information and there's a lot of other people in that group that share from their experiences of what worked what didn't work, we all know technology can be daunting because you don't know what you don't know until you try it. And so it was really helpful to pick other folks' brains so that we were able to avoid some of the common pitfalls I feel like that happened on a new new platform. The client was gonna do all of their registration through Zoom events. And that is something that is, like if you host a Zoom webinar, you can like turn on registration. And so you could capture their name, their email address, it would send them an email to join the link to your webinar. Um, but that's really about it that you can kind of bounce around in zoom events. You would have an event login. Um, so you have an event like landing page, a link you would share out to get people to register for your event. Once they register, they would get a link to the event page. Um, and in that build out, we had sessions and we had an expo booth. And so the sessions, like Mary mentioned, were concurrent, meaning multiple ones happening at once. They had like three, I think we got up to four tracks there at the end of it, Um, but four tracks, so four sessions happening at the same time. And uh, then they had about, I think, five or six rotations that went throughout the day. And they did do a break in the middle for lunch. It was a full day conference, but they did a break for lunch where they encouraged folks to go to sponsors uh, booths in the expo. So on Zoom events, we were building out a bunch of sessions. We were able, they have a whole speaker thing that you can let your speakers fill out their own bios or you as the organizer can upload their bio and links. And everything. Um, so we were putting in sessions, and at the time, as many organizers know, that you guys might be smiling as you listen to this. A lot of it is TBD until a couple weeks before the event. So when we did the initial Zoom event build out, we really just kind of did placeholders so that we could show our client what things looked like, kind of what the look and feel was for the event platform um, and the expo booth. And I will actually back up a little bit. So one of the things with Zoom events is. You have an option as the planner, the producer, that you either purchase the Zoom events and then it is attached to your Zoom login, or you could have your client do that and it's attached to their Zoom login. But you and your client do not both need to have and pay for Zoom events. And so the, the the tactic we took is our client paid for Zoom events and linked it to their Zoom account and then shared that login with Mary and I. So we were able to log in as that person and play around with all of this. Um, It's a little bit different than other events, websites that let you like list yourself as an organizer. And then you can still log in from your own personal login. Um, But this was like the most cost effective way. Um, And they did actually, they were zoom events did make Mary and I organizers, but we didn't have the same functionality is what I remember. Um, So there was a lot of help of being able to log into the actual host account um, and create all of those sessions and upload all those sponsor logos. Um, But, so Zoom would have like an event lobby. That's where I compare it to hop in. So it has like a landing page with a lobby chat that you can turn on or off as the organizer. Um, and that's just like welcoming people where they can go. Then they you can look at the agenda. And then they just have little tabs on the menu for speakers, sessions, expo. Um, and I think a couple things are customizable there if you wanted to add more, but um, we kind of tag teamed it with our clients since they were the lead on reaching out to speakers, and we were very much the production on the back end of once the speakers confirmed. Now we're running with them to understand, you know, the login for their session how to access their session and all of that good stuff. Mary, is there anything I forgot for the build out?
1: No, I think you covered it just uh, as as we're talking through case study and this is kind of jumping to lessons learned, but as we were building out, definitely learning like certain things that could that um, you had to determine before the event was published. And so I would say that was a, a thing that was a big lesson learned for us. We like, because we really looked into it and really wanted to make sure, because we'd heard from this group that we were a part of that once it's published, there are certain things that can't be changed. So we're like, we got to nail this part for sure. And so that's just one to call out, I guess I would have. And also at the time of, of recording this, some of these things that we say to you might be changed by the time you look into Zoom events, because as we said, it's continually um, innovating and progressing. And so who knows? And we have lots of, we have feedback too, and we've been able to give it in this group that we're a part of and So maybe some of these things will be implemented, but just wanted to caveat that as well. And then one last thing, which is actually kind of random, but Logan, I don't think we said the price for zoom events. And I think it's cause maybe we're not hundred percent certain. And so everybody go look it up, but I was trying to look, and I think it's like, you said, we said it was affordable. I think it's less than $99. Does that sound? Yes. Right? It was, um, at the time, again,
0: we're caveating folks at the mm-hmm. time of this recording. So end of 2022, um, it was 99 bucks a month and you can upgrade. And that's for the, just the 500, 500 people, again, it, it levels up and it really does kind of infinitely or not infinitely, but like exponentially increase. Like if you want to have 10,000 people on the platform, I believe it's several thousand a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just need to pay for it for when you want the platform to be you setting it up and it being active. And so with our client, we kind of, I think we got them to just do two months um, so that we were able to set it up, launch it, have the event, and then have it open a couple of days after the event. Um, so yeah, 99 bucks a month. It's, Very affordable (laughs) compared to some of the other ones on the market, or at least I think it's become a good competitor that will hopefully make some of it of the other platforms maybe rethink some of their pricing.
1: And then we wanted to talk through the team that we had in place as well to help with this event. Um, Many of these kind of stepped in more closer to actually the event production and execution. But so there was Logan and I, and then we also had um, a streaming engineer, Luke, we've had on the podcast before. We can link to Luke's episode because he's amazing. Um, And then we also brought on two uh, producers who basically like Logan, Luke, and these two producers each took a track. And so that's kind of how we divided it up. And I was kind of floating more so helping where needed, which was so useful. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but it was great to have somebody available to help when needed because stuff always there's always going to be a need something will always happen and so that was awesome um but yeah that was kind of that was our team um anything else to add logan about our team structure
0: yeah i think this is something and it's something i've implemented across some other events i'm working on is keeping the core team that works on it in the lead up to the event smaller so it was really just mary and i driving this and then like the week of the event or two weeks before the event really bringing on these day of people um, I think this is also cause Mary and I are getting better with boundary setting for what we ask of other people, but, um, it also is less people to coordinate. It's just Mary and I coordinate amongst ourselves, but yeah, our team of five was very mighty, um, but up to four, four things happening at once. So we wanted four producers, um, and one of our feedback, Again, we'll kind of start. I think we should just sprinkle it in Mary because it's relevant right now. But one of one of our things of feedback for uh, next year or future events or anytime you're doing concurrent was how clutch Mary's role as the floater was. Because there were times where somebody had a technical challenge or things weren't working or a session was running late. And there was only about 10 minutes of transition time between sessions. And so, our producer would need to wrap up their session and then they would have 10 minutes if everything is on time to log on to the new link or j- click their new link to join their next session, tech check their speaker, and get ready to open doors. And that was a really tight window, especially if your last, if your current speaker is going three minutes over, now that window is only seven minutes. Um, and so, this was really helpful having that extra person. But if the client had bigger budget or if this was a big priority for them, another suggestion would be to have even more people on our team. And if anything, stagger them so that you had you worked a session and then you were off a session so that you could get into your next session. We normally say 30 minutes early. So you have time to check with your speaker that they're OK and everything's set up and you're all set before you start. Because um, that did make those transition times really short. Um, but as you I feel like in our budgeting 101 on um, people cost money. And so if you're doubling, if we're halving the workload and doubling the number of personnel we need that day, that is going to have a huge budgetary impact. Um, but I would say bare minimum, we needed one per session. And that floater is just now at this point, it's like non-negotiable. We have to have a floater if we have concurrent things happening, on my, at least in my book.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm so glad that we had that in place for sure. And just kind of m- moving more into other lessons learned and what worked and what didn't. Um, One thing that I keep thinking about because I just think it should be a functionality is that we weren't able to utilize discount codes, which was important for like, like groups and group discounts and things like that, which is very common for event registration. That was not a functionality at the time not sure if it is now or not but um I know other folks feel this way too and so we're like please please add discount code and promo code capabilities in so that was kind of a bummer but what we did the workaround is that um I guess in short you can upload folks to the back end and so if they could then take advantage of that discount in another way or we could pull a report for them or something but we can upload them in the back end and get it all taken care of it's not streamlined and so that's one thing that manual.
0: It takes yeah. somebody
1: to manual in yeah. <laughs> every single person that yes. wants to
0: do this. So, yeah, that was one. And like Eventbrite, if you're familiar with that, is an event po- like it's so easy just to give someone a promo code. Like we're near University of Washington, like Huskies, and that would then unlock a secret ticket that that person could see, and it was at a discounted price. Zoom events does not have that. They do let you make different tickets and set different deadlines. So like doing early bird pricing, which we did take advantage of with this event, you can definitely do. The hard part is like Mary said, those promo codes, those get group codes, anything that you didn't want everyone to be able to see, they did not have a like automatic solution for that. So that just took up a little bit of time in our pre -pre pre-planning process. What other lessons learned I mean, I think our our biggest one was the expo (laughs) in Zoom (laughs) events. We, again, our our role on this was really much, um, very much being helping with the platform selection process. But then a lot of what we were focused on was on the content, the actual production of the content that was a part of this educational conference. And so the expo was definitely a part of the platform, but we weren't necessarily doing any sponsor logistics. And we were just really a sounding board for our client for Zoom event related things. Um, Well, sure enough, on the event day, because we launched the expo the same day as the event and it was supposed to open like an hour early so sponsors could get in there and talk to anybody who showed up early it wasn't loading we hit go like the event was live that we had the lovely countdown to the expo opening and then it just was like an error message and what we mary was very quick to be able to get on with zoom support which again pro tip here only the owner of the zoom events account can access this like zoom event support. event I as like logged in as myself, but even though I was an organizer, I wasn't the host, I could not find any of this instant chat with um, anyone. But what we discovered was because um, it was all because of a space in a link. So in your expo booth, you could link to your website, your social media, and it has a great functionality that we loved that sponsors could upload their own information. They'd have their own sponsor portal, all in Zoom events. They got to do it. We did not have to upload anything. The negative with that is we had one sponsor who was copying and pasting links clearly from somewhere. And I guess they put a space at the end of their link. And Zoom events told us this is why the entire expo is disabled, <laughs> which I it's still Mary, I yeah. still don't understand how that was a thing. Um, but the hard part too was they couldn't even tell us which booth or which link. So Mary and I, pre on the event day, are like clicking through every link in every booth. We're on comms, like our virtual headsets together, being like, all right, I'm in this booth. Click, 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 click. And we finally found it and deleted it. And sure enough, then the expo uh, was up and running. But that whole process took about 30 minutes, um, causing a delay to the, uh, the expo start, which again is just something us as organizers, our client noticed, we noticed, and sponsors noticed. I don't think any attendees noticed. But my like takeaway from that was we should have launched the expo the day before. Still on the agenda, could have said, hey, log in an hour early to talk with sponsors, but actually physically launched it because we'd done so much testing on like everything else on the production content side and the expo just hadn't been a focus for us. And that's something that we always talk about in this podcast too, is like test, test and test some more. So I would have preferred we'd opened it a day earlier um, and just let people know that the booths weren't manned until a certain time. So they shouldn't expect immediate responses.
1: But Mary, what, what was your reaction (laughs) to that whole scenario? (laughs) I just was like, are you kidding me? I was really happy that zoom support could, could like kind of, tell us in a way that something like that was the matter, but it also was like just crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. the whole, And I was grateful to be able to get a hold of Zoom support, I will say as well. So yeah. Well, and that's something that other platforms, <laughs> if you compare it to others,
0: like you might've had a contact person at Hopin, at Hoover, at whatever platform, but like with Zoom events, it's very hands-off, very like you as the event host, event producer are like in charge of it. And it's great because then you don't have these fees. A lot of the platforms, you know, will charge you like a project management fee. But that was a moment, Mary, I remember being because I couldn't find it on my end. And I was like, oh, no, this is where the ninety nine dollars a month's about to but, like bite us in the butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you were like, no, I'm on with support. I was like, oh, OK, it's just hidden to everybody else except you. So, again, mm-hmm. another pro tip, if you're using Zoom events, making sure you have the host mm-hmm. login um, yeah, sure. if you're the one running the tech side of the event, because that was incredibly clutch and would have delayed us even more if we were still searching for that information.
1: Yeah. And a couple other random tips I was just thinking through, this is hopefully you know continuing to be helpful for you if you all do a Zoom events, but actually this is for maybe any virtual event. To Just a reminder to have um, producers have the attendee view open as well, maybe on a different device or something like that. It is so helpful in producing. I love to personally do that to see from the attendee perspective what I am doing, how I'm sharing, things are working super helpful. So that's just a, a reminder. If your producers can have two devices to do that, it's going to be great. Um, and then also Zoom events sends a calendar invite out to speakers when they're listed as speakers and then linked to a session. Zoom events will notify them that they are a speaker and they will send them a calendar invite associated with their speaking time. However, the link that was actually sent was for the whole event day. But I've learned Logan since then. I think they've actually changed it right after our event. Yeah. They've sent an update because at the time it it was just for the whole event day too. The calendar invite was like a hold for the
0: whole, however long the entire event is. But yes, I did see that as well, Mary. There was an update that it is specifically for that session because I ended up manually doing that for my speakers because I was like, no, you're not needed from 8 a.m. to 4. You're needed from 1230 to 2. You know, um, so yeah, the more that Zoom is doing that, that is definitely a bonus. One of the other functionalities at Zoom events. So back to the earlier part. So this was concurrent. It let you do the cool part with Zoom events is it does let you as one host. So like our client had one Zoom account. She They could host as many like concurrent sessions, I think up to like 10 or something. We weren't hitting the limit um, at one time with one Zoom account. So again, before Zoom events, you would need a separate Zoom account for every single concurrent session. And so that was a cool functionality. Um, and then everything was either webinar or Zoom meeting. So you couldn't do anything as like a Vimeo live or a YouTube live. Zoom events does not work with any of that. You like you're stuck with Zoom event, Zoom meeting or Zoom webinar. And so one of the things we did for we had pre-recorded sessions. And at the time of this recording, Zoom did not have a functionality to like schedule a video to play at a certain time like it's live. And so this is where we used um. Luke, my brother, the streaming engineer, as Mary mentioned, because he has OBS and other software that allows him to play videos and content as his own Zoom square. So we did, he was in a Zoom uh, meeting and was able then to share that video and audio like as his regular Zoom window, not sharing screen. So it comes through at a higher resolution. Um, and then it was specifically a meeting because it was pre recorded, but the educational requirements for this client was that there had to be a live element. So then we did breakouts with attendees. And for every other session, though, where it was just a speaker talking or a panel, we utilized the webinar feature because there was no reason for why we needed attendees on screen. Um, And it was more just a kind of a one-way learning experience with the chat and the Q&A, but we didn't really need anyone on screen to be unmuting. And so this is something like we always talk about. So I don't know if it's a pro tip for Zoom events, Mary, but just in general, like thinking through why you're using one or the other. And if you have a client who wants a third option, maybe Zoom events isn't right for you. But for this purpose and this event, and I will say, I think if you're trying to do an educational conference, Zoom event checks a lot of those boxes. Um, it's, it's a great feature and very seamless. Another confusing part, though, was um, Zoom events will have one link for the entire event. And at the time of this recording, there was no individual link for individual sessions. So if you were inviting a sponsor or the speaker to their specific session, we didn't have a way of sending them like an individual link to just that session to join, they would have to go to the event and then you can build your own agenda in Zoom events, which all of our producers we did. So we purposely built an agenda with our sessions and that was really easy. Um, But that is a difference between if you're just sending out a Zoom meeting or just a webinar where you can send a link for folks to join. We had some, like, I'd say there's pros and cons to that. I think some people really wanted the ease of just being able to join. I kind of liked that we made our speakers go through the process so they could see what the attendees see. And then they also let you in Zoom events, you can stream your session to the session lobby, um, which is like, it's in the Zoom events platform, but then, and attendees could then watch your session from the lobby without being inside the session. And we opted to turn that off for all of our sessions because... Uh, we thought that would be confusing. And as uh, being very focused on, again, accessibility, we wanted to make it as easy and simple for you to be like, yes, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right session. And so that's a great option if you're trying to like let people preview what they might be hopping into before they get into your session. But we we turned that off so that nobody was confused and being like, why can't I see the chat? And they can't see it because they're still in the lobby. So we turned that off that they had to click like join session to be a part of that. But I hope that didn't make too many people's heads spin. <laughs> Because there, there's a lot of nuances, I guess, that we learned.
1: <laughs> lots of nuances. Lots of good pro tips in here. So reach out to us if you have Zoom events questions. We can help if we can. But for sure, join that group. I'm going to keep, keep plugging that group because it was very helpful. Yeah. Mary, would you so, use Zoom events again before we wrap up? Yeah, I I would. I think I have no reason not to use it again. Like you said, figuring out if it's actually the right thing for the event, for the client. But yeah, I'd use it again. And I assume you would too, based on what you were saying. I would. I think again, it's it's knowing
0: who, um, knowing the limitations of like what it can do, it it definitely helps. But it's just really such an easy level up from Zoom. And some Mm -hmm. of our registration complaints that we've we've made our lessons learned and things you could easily solve. You can use like Eventbrite or use another registration tool, and then just manually upload a CSV file. So it's not manually putting every single name in. You're just like bulk uploading. Um, You can totally do that. But this was like the right solution for our client because it was just everybody in the same place. I feel like the only way it would not be a good fit is if you were like not a Zoom organization or like your your group that you serve as an event host, like doesn't know anything about Zoom. Because I think we had a couple of challenges with folks registering who were not very familiar with Zoom, but those were so few um, that again, it's, it still was like the right fit. So it would be just be like, if you were a team's company, I don't know if doing a zoom event (laughs) makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, but yeah, overall lots of, we always love these. There's just so many
1: lessons learned. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good experience where I'm glad we could do it together and hopefully this helps all of you. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode and Mary, you have our bonus tip this week.
1: Yes, I do. Uh, For our bonus tip this week, we are switching gears. I know my brain is currently like all thinking about Zoom and production. So we're going to switch our brains for a moment to talk about fundraising events. (laughs) So our bonus tip for today is about um, something called an auction tracker. So this is a really useful spreadsheet that I got from a planner who ended up phasing out her event planning side of her business. So she gave this to me and is like, I've compiled this list of businesses that have donated to auctions. So for a silent auction or like a live auction or something like that. And so she's compiled all these business names and like their email addresses or or a way to contact them. I was like, this is amazing. And so I've been able to build on it. And of course I, so now I can give it to clients and it's just a really good asset. So this is what I'm, my bonus tip for today is to, if you do fundraising events or something like that, this is something that's super easy to build out and then just keep building on it each time you do an event to help future clients and it's a good resource. They're always surprised to have it. One thing I will say is I don't update it because I don't know if that person still works there, if that contact is still right, but it's just a starting point for them. And at this point it has like 300 things on it. So it's like a really good starting point. So that's my bonus tip for today. And it's very specific to Washington. So I would say email me and I'll give it to you, but it's not gonna be helpful (laughs) necessarily. And so, but start to build that out and hopefully it'll be helpful for your fundraising clients. That's my bonus tip for today. That sounds like such a time saver, Mary. So yeah,
0: listeners, take advantage of it. I have my own version of this, but Mary's is definitely more robust and it has been a time saver, I feel like, for many nonprofit friends. But that brings us to the end of this week's episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening and we'll be back with you again next Wednesday.